You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse number 63. The Bible says, And of the, ch- the priests, the children of Habai, the children of Koz, the children of Barzillai, which took one of the daughters of Barzillai, the Giladite, to wife, and was called after their name. These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore were they, as polluted, put from the priesthood. And the Tershatha said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things, till there stood up a priest with Urim and Thummim. And let's pray. Our Father, we love you. And we thank you for your word, I thank you for your people, and I thank you for the privilege that we have to serve you. May we never take it for granted. Uh, Help us, as Landon sang about, help us not to be ashamed. And uh, I pray that we would uh, identify with Christ and let this world know that we love Jesus and we're uh, not ashamed to be called Christians. We're not ashamed to be children of God. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts in the message in the few moments that we're together this morning. I thank you for the wonderful week we had this past week. I thank you for the ladies' fellowship on Tuesday. I thank you for the midweek service and then the wonderful harvest party last night. Uh, We certainly look forward to our Teen Spectacular this week, Monday and Tuesday, and we look forward to our service on Wednesday. Uh, But Lord, now this morning, uh, we need to hear from you, and uh, we need uh, to know exactly what you have for us. I pray that you would please speak. And make it very clear, make it very personal to us this morning in your word and the time that uh, we are together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Nehemiah chapter 7 is uh, where we're going to pick up. We left off last week in this chapter. And we saw last week, number one, we looked at the security of the city. As God's people were guarding the gate, they had finished the wall. They had put up the gates and they put up the doors, but now they needed to be very careful that only the right people got inside and only the right influences entered the city. And the application we made last week is you got to guard your home. You got to guard your family. You need to guard your own mind. You need to guard your own heart. Don't let the influences of Satan, don't let the influences of of ungodliness and wickedness infiltrate your life. We saw the security. Number two, we saw the spirituality in verse number two. Nehemiah appointed two men as his assistants. And it says that this man, uh, verse number two, uh, Hananiah and his brother Hananiah, says that they were faithful. Now, I don't know what will be said of you and I don't know what will be said of me when we're gone, but someday if the Lord tarries, there will be a preacher that will stand up and give the message at your funeral. There'll be a preacher that'll stand up and give the message at my funeral. And I don't know what that preacher will say. I know some things that preacher will not say. He will not say, Jeremy Coburnett was the most talented person that ever lived. I know he will not say that. You didn't have to laugh so loudly and so quickly. I know another thing he will not say. He will not say Jeremy Coburnett had the best hairdo of any pastor that ever, I know know he will not say that. 
I know something the preacher won't say about me, and he probably won't say it about you either. Here is a person that's got a lot of money in their bank account. How many of you know the preacher's not going to say that about you, right? Okay, we've got some folks there that are honest. But I hope that there will be a preacher someday that can truthfully and honestly say, here's a man who maybe didn't do a lot of things and maybe didn't have a lot of ability, but here was a man that was faithful. And can I tell you, that ought to be your desire as well, that you could live your life and come to the end of your life and that it would be said of you that you were faithful, that you were faithful as a Christian, that you were faithful as a husband, faithful as a wife, faithful as a father, faithful as a mother, faithful as a young person, faithful as a teenager, faithful as a grandparent, faithful as a church member. There's a lot of things you can't do, but every one of us here today, we can be and we should be faithful. This was a man that was faithful and then it was a man that feared God. You know, I, th I think we all, we face this battle that the longer we're saved, the longer we go to church, it's easy to just go through the motions. For instance, you came into church this morning, and I hope nobody had to drag you to church this morning. But maybe somebody did. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a neighbor. <laughs> maybe husbands. Maybe it was your wife. Or maybe wife, it was your husband. I hope not. I hope nobody had to drag you to church. But let's be honest. There are some Sundays where maybe it's been a rough week. I think about yesterday. We had a late night last night, and uh, parents, I'm sure it was a good feeling last night for you when the kids finally went to bed after the harvest party, after the funnel cakes, the, the, the sugar high. Uh, my girls, uh, Kylie, last night, it's, it's, it's cold. The sun has gone down. She's standing barefoot on the sidewalk, eating her second snow cone and refusing to give it up. I mean, she's literally, she's freezing to death, but she's not giving up that snow cone. I mean, that's some good stuff right there. And I know this morning, I'm sure for some, you're thinking, if we could just make it to church, if we could just get to church, that'd be a success. But can I tell you, I commend you for the fact that you did make it to church. You did come to church this morning. But I hope that when we come to church, I hope there's something in us that, we don't have to be dragged to church and church isn't a drudgery and church isn't torture, but we love it because we get to come and worship the Lord. We get to serve God. We get to honor the Lord. We get to exalt his name. You say, well, pastor, I'll be honest with you. When I come to church, I don't like some of the people here. Well, first of all, I hope that's not your attitude. <laughs> it could be mutual. I mean, it might be that they don't like you either. I hope not. But I'll tell you this. I don't come to church just for the people that are here. I come to church because this is the Lord's house. This is the place where we gather to worship the Lord. And by the way, uh, when I do come to church, I love being with God's people. I love you. I thank the Lord for you. you. You're a blessing. You have no idea the encouragement you are to me. But I don't just come to church for what I can get out of it. I come to church for what I can do. I come to church for what I can offer to the Lord as a, as a sacrifice and as a praise and as an offering of giving my life to God. And the Bible says these men had a fear of God. They had a reverence and a respect. I hope you never get over the privilege it is to serve God. Choir members, I hope you never get over the privilege it is to sing, uh, I, I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I hope you never get over the, the privilege to serve God in a nursery. 
to serve God on a bus route, to serve God in a junior church, to serve God in a master club, to serve God for a teen spectacular, to serve God in whatever area it is. I hope you never get over the thrill. There ought to be a, a fear, a reverence, a respect, an awe that we get to serve God. We saw the security, the spirituality, number two, number three, we saw the size last week. The size is found in verse four. The city was large, but the problem is the people were few. I wanna say that today we are faced with a great task. The Bible says the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are what? They're few. But if you get your eyes on the odds or you get your eyes on the circumstance or you get your eyes on the obstacles, you will be discouraged. But don't get your eyes on the circumstances. Get your eyes on Christ and get your eyes on the fact that God is bigger than any problem you have. Don't worry about the size of the obstacle. Focus on the bigness of your God. Number four, I wanna pick up today with number four, we see in verse number five, it says, in my God, put it into mine heart to gather together the nobles and the rulers and the people that they might be reckoned or accounted by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of them which came up at the first and found written therein. These are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those that had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away and came again to Jerusalem and to Judah, every one unto his city. Number four, the word I'll use in this outline of chapter seven is their stock. I'm talking about their family. I'm talking about their background. I'm talking about their heritage. The Bible says that when the children of Israel came out of Babylonian captivity, they came back to Judah and Nehemiah said this. He said, all right, I want everybody to figure out which family you're a part of who your parents were and grandparents. And I want you to go to your city and I want you to trace your roots back to where you came from. Now, I understand that maybe not everybody in this room, maybe you're not exceptionally proud of your background. And I understand all that. Maybe your family Maybe you've got somebody in your family that embarrasses you. Maybe you've got somebody in your family. Let's be honest, every family's got at least one nutcase, right? At least one. And don't come up to me after the service and say, Pastor, we don't have one in our family because you're probably the one and you don't know it. And I might have to break it to you. But here's what I'm saying. These people were supposed to trace their genealogy, their lineage, back to their family to figure out where did we come from? Who do we belong to? And I, you, I think you probably know where I'm going here. But I think every born again child of God, I think you ought to be able to stand up and say like Landon just got done singing, I'm not ashamed of my Christian heritage. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm a born again child of God. I'm not ashamed of the Bible. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. We should not be ashamed of where we came from. 
say, well, pastor, if you knew my family or you knew my background, I don't need to know all that. I don't need to know about all of your physical lineage, but I certainly want to know about your spiritual lineage. I certainly want to know about how you got saved. I certainly want to know about what God has done in your life. And the fact that you're here today is that God brought you here. Don't ever forget what God's done. Maybe you've got some needs in your life. I think we all do. Sometimes we focus on the needs that we have now and we forget about all the miracles God's done in the past. Hey, don't ever forget what God did to bring you to this place. That is nothing short of a miracle. It is only the grace of God that you and I are here today. It's a miracle that we could be here and we could know Christ as Savior. What a privilege it is to know God. I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. And I'll say this, if God could use these people in Nehemiah chapter 7, God could use you as well. Don't sell yourself short. Don't ever feel like, well, God could never use me. You don't know about this and you don't know about this. And if you only, no, 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 no. I don't need to know about all that. All I need to know about is, would you be willing to give your life to God and let God use you? Because if you'll let God use you, there's no limit to what he can do in a life that is yielded to him. We see their stock, we see their family, we see their identification with their families and with their towns. Quickly, number five, I want you to notice the fact that these people were servants. Would you notice, notice with me in chapter seven, in verse number 43, the Bible says, the Levites. Verse 44, the singers. Verse 45, the porters. Those are the, the doorkeepers or the gatekeepers. Verse 46, the Nethanims. You say, who in the world are the Nethanims? Here's who they were. They were servants in the temple. And I'll tell you what we need today. We need some folks that'll say, I may not have a lot of ability and I may not have a lot of talent, but I can do something for God. And God is looking for people that will serve him. That's the life of joy when you learn how to serve have you ever noticed the people that are, are, are the most miserable? They're the people that are only focused on themselves. It's how can I serve myself? And those people can be the most miserable people, but you find somebody that doesn't care about serving themselves. They just want to serve other people. Let me tell you, you just found a happy camper. And that's the way the Christian ought to live, serving God and serving others. They were servants. Notice number six, they were singing. The Bible says in verse 44, the singers, the children of Asaph, an hundred forty and eight. Now Asaph, we know from the Old Testament, we know from the book of Psalms, Asaph was the song leader for the church, for, for, for the congregation. David sent Psalms to Asaph. He said, hey, use this one for the choir. Use this one in worship. And Asaph had some children. You know what they were trained to do? They were trained to sing. You get to the book of Psalms and the Bible commands us over and over and over again. It says, sing, lift up your voice, praise God, thank God, worship God. And as Christians, we ought to be singing. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm 100% serious. You ought to sing. Every day of your life. 
Say, who are we going to sing with? Sing by yourself. Sing with the CD. Sing with WVFE 95.9 FM. Uh, Sing in the shower. Sing in the garage. Sing in the car. I don't care where and when. Just sing. God's people should sing. You say, well, I thought Sunday was the day to sing. No, Sunday is just the day we all get together and sing. But every Christian should sing. And there ought to be a song in your heart. There ought to be something in your soul that you just can't hold back and you got to let it go. Number six, we see the singing. Number seven, we see the sanctification. Notice with me, if you would, in verse 64, it says, these sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore were they as polluted. They were put from the priesthood. And the tertiatha, verse 65, that term tertiatha, that title, means the governor. The governor said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things. Now, this is an interesting passage here, and we're going to jump into a little bit more in verse 65. But here's the point I want to make first. Number, Number seven, whatever we are, sanctification, is that God's people ought to be holy. The Bible tells us there were some in the line of the priest that they couldn't trace their lineage. And so the governor had to stand up and say, you can't serve as a priest if you are not from the line of the priests. Now, here's the the application here I want to make. God wants you to serve him no matter who you are. But if you're not saved, you can't serve God. If you're not saved, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. You're wasting your breath. That's why we have a requirement at Victory Baptist Church that if you're going to serve in this ministry, you need to be saved and baptized, become a member of this church because it doesn't, we, don't, we don't want you to waste your time. Why would you get up and sing in the choir if you're not even saved? Well, why, would you, why would you work on a bus route, tell others how to be saved if you yourself are not saved? And so maybe today, maybe as we talked about in the announcements Maybe you need to make sure you're saved. Maybe you need to go back and say, am I a child of God? Has there been a time and a place in my life where I got saved? I became a a born-again believer, and I put my faith and trust in Christ. We see their sanctification, number seven. Number eight, quickly, we see their supply. Verse 70, it says, and some of the chief of the fathers gave unto the work. The Tershatha gave to the treasure a thousand drams of gold. Verse 71, some of the chief of the fathers gave. 72, and that which was the rest of the people gave. Verse 73, they gave so that the priests, the Levites, the porters, the singers, and some of the people and the Nethanims and all Israel, that they could dwell in their cities and they could serve God. Here's what I'm talking about. Number eight, the word is supply. God's people gave, the people gave to keep the work of God going forward. And that's God's plan for his church. God's plan is that his people give. Now, I, won't, I don't have time to get into this. It's already time to go. No, but I'll say this, that the Bible makes it very clear that the tithe belongs to the Lord. That is 10%, and that's the Lord's. That's, we're not even, we're, that's not even up for debate. You say, well, pastor, it is up for debate because... Tithing is in the Old Testament. And to that, I would say you're absolutely right. But if you want to talk about the New Testament, I'll take you to the book of Acts. 
In the book of Acts, they weren't giving 10%, they were giving 100%. And they were selling everything they had and then giving 100%. So I think, I think most people are okay with the tithe. I think most people are okay to settle on that. You wanna give 10% or you wanna give 100%. But the tithe belongs to God. But then after the tithe, we have here at Victory Baptist Church, we have opportunities for you to give to missions. We have opportunities for you to give to a bus ministry and to give to a building fund and give to a school, a ministry, all these things. But here's what I'm saying. I don't believe that any Christian should give because they have to give. But I think every Christian should give because we get to give. I mean, how, how can we repay the creator of the universe, how could we pay our savior Jesus for all that he went through on the cross? I'll tell you one way we can show him our love and our appreciation is by giving back to him after all that he's blessed us with. That's the supply. But number nine and 10, and I'm done. I want you to notice it in verse number 65. It says, in the Tershitha, the governor said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with the Urim and Thummim. Now, I asked this in the early service and I did not get any hands. So I'm, I'm not sure what to expect in this service, but I'm not gonna preach the whole message. I'm gonna preach this one thought and we're gonna go home. How many in here have ever heard a message preached about the Urim and the Thummim? Would you raise your hand? If you, I'm not gonna ask you or quiz you, I'm just curious. Okay, we've got one, my wife. Now I really gotta be careful what I say about it. Okay, Brother Bybee, there's one there. Oh, right over here, Brother Bab. Okay, so we've got one. Who else had their hand raised here? One, two, three, right here, three. Anybody else? The Urim and the Thummim. Okay, so if you see any of these three people talking to me after the service, you'll know I said something wrong, okay? But here's what I'm gonna say about it. The Urim and the Thummim were vitally important for the people of God in the Old Testament. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what the Urim and the Thummim, what it was, but the Bible does tell us what it did. The high priest had his, his priestly garment. He had a, a robe and he had the, the ribbons at the end of that robe and he had an, an ephod, kind of like a vest that he had uh, over that robe. And on that ephod, there was a breastplate and on that breastplate, there were 12 stones. There were four rows of three stones across. And those 12 stones on that breastplate that the priest wore, those stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Bible says that that was a picture of how the priest kept the 12 tribes close to his heart. And I want to remind you, we have a heavenly high priest, Jesus Christ, who keeps his people close to his heart. Did you know God loves you today? Did you know God's not sitting up in heaven with a baseball bat ready to knock you over the head? God is a loving heavenly father and he cares about you and you matter to God. And what you're going through today, it is important to the creator of the universe. Your boss at work may not care about your problems, but the creator in heaven cares about every need you have. And that high priest wore that breastplate with those 12 stones. But also in that breastplate and in his, his robe, on his chest, there were two items that he kept. Perhaps these were stones. We're not exactly sure what these were. But the Urim and the Thummim 
were two items that were used to discern the will of God for his people. Now, again, it doesn't, the Bible does not say exactly what it was. We don't know if it was a scroll. We don't know if it was two stones. We don't know exactly what it is. But the Urim and the Thummim, the definition means the light and the perfection. And the Urim and the Thummim were used by the priest to show God's people exactly what they needed to do. I got good news and I got bad news. I'm gonna give you the bad news first. The bad news is, I don't have a Urim and a Thummim. If you come to me after the service and you say, Pastor, what should I do? Should I take this job or should I take this job? You know what I'll say? I don't know. I'll pray with you. I'll tell you what I think. But at the end of the day, I'll say, you're gonna have to figure out what God wants you to do because I do not know. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I should buy this house or if I should not buy this house. I will tell you, I'll say, I don't know. I'll pray with you. I'll talk to you about the pros and cons and I'll help you if I can, but I don't know what God wants you to do. I'll say, what do you think God wants you to do? What have, what have, you, what have you heard from God since you've been praying and fasting and seeking God about it? So that's the bad news is, the bad news is we don't have the Urim and the Thummim today. But here's the good news. We got something better. We've got the word of God. We've got the scriptures. And by the way, the Urim and the Thummim was the light and the perfection. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Not only that, this book is the perfection. It is the perfect, the complete word of God. And it is able to make you perfect. It is able to, able to make you complete of all that God wants you to be. So number nine, here we see in this passage that we have the scriptures. We don't have the Urim and the Thummim, but we've got the Bible. Did you know that there's so much in this book that God has already told you what to do that you'll be busy till Jesus comes just doing what you already know you're supposed to do? But then the last thing, number 10, we not only have the scriptures, but we've got somebody that's living inside of us. And that somebody will lead you and guide you and direct you in the way that you're supposed to go. You have, if you're saved, you have a built-in GPS. You have the Holy Spirit. And we don't have the Urim and the Thummim. We've got something better. We got the scriptures and we've got the Spirit of God. And I wanna tell you today, you and I, we better get real serious about finding God's will for our lives. I see so many people, I see so many situations where people make their decisions and it's all about money. It's all about what I wanna do. It's all about, oh, this will be great. Oh, this will be awesome. Oh, I can't wait. I'm gonna try this. And I wanna say, have you, have you read the Bible? Have you asked God to show you? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to direct you? And if you have, then I say, go for it. But if you have not, you're missing out on the directions that God has already provided for the road map of your life. And the Bible says that they couldn't go on, they could proceed no further until there stood up a priest with the Urim and the Thummim. And I'd say this, don't go any further. Proceed no further today until you get in the word of God and until you talk to the Holy Spirit.
and let God show you the direction for your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week. Thank you.